0: today it is still entirely appropriate to greet each other with Merry Christmas. We see here in what was the Advent wreath, we see the one Christmas candle, and that symbolizes the way that the octave of Christmas works, that it's as if it's one single day. So in a very special way, it's almost as if today is still December 25th. Because for each of the eight days, well, there's elements of the liturgy that are repeated. And even, you know, when we celebrate with the first Eucharistic prayer, we say on this day. So we're, we're still celebrating Christmas. And always within the octave of Christmas, we take the Sunday in order to remember the Holy Family. And that's precisely what we're doing this, you know, t- doing today. Celebrating the Holy Family and celebrating the Holy Family in a special way as a model for all families. And I think that you know, this is a call to arms for all of us, that we wanna build a, a culture of family in a world that is hostile to families. Looking at the Holy Family, we're able to see how these three persons intervened in salvation history. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph lived in a special way that changed the course of history of the world. And, you know, I think it's good for all of us to meditate on the family as the real building block of civilization. When I was going through the seminary from the years 2005 to 2008, I worked in Catholic formation for adolescent boys in the greater Washington, D.C. area. And for me, it was a really powerful experience of getting to know and work with families and getting to see so many dynamics. And you know, working with adolescent boys, their parents were always a little bit of a loss. What do I do with my son? And they would try to get me to, uh, to tell, tell their sons things that they wanted to tell them themselves, right? And, but, but it was a beautiful experience and something that really struck me deeply and something that remains with me to this day. And to appreciate the family. When I returned to Rome to continue my studies, it, you know, I, I was thinking about my own vocation, you know, to the priesthood, reflecting on my own vocation. And you know, one of the things that I thought about, you know, I'm, I'm committed to religious chastity, to, to a promise of celibacy with ordination. And so I won't have my own family, but something that, that comforted me or helped me to give meaning that was to see that even if I don't have my own family, well, I can help many other men and women, you know, form their families, and thinking of those boys that I worked with during those years, and, you know, and, and, and more recently I've worked with many more, but to see that that, that investment in them helps them to become, become, you know, better husbands and fathers, mothers and wives. And even though my vocation is fundamentally a response to God's call, it's one of the very beautiful human, for, uh, human motivations, to see that I can help other families flourish. And I know that working to form families according to the Holy Family helps to create a model for Holy Family. So we can look at you know the one Holy Family, and then hopefully our own families can also become holy. To recover our society, we need to build strong families founded on strong marriages formed by Catholic men and women who want to live out their faith to the full. I don't think too many people would disagree with the statement that the family is under attack and that uh, kind of the social landscape is changing. In 1970, 67% of Americans between the ages of 25 and 49 were living with their spouse and one or more children younger than 18. 18. Over the past five decades, that share has dropped at 37 percent. So, this tremendous drop in young families, with the reduction of young families, a host of other problems have surged. And with the weakening of the family, we see that children grow up without the moral formation that is necessary for a happy and flourishing life. You know this uh, this lie that the world tries to sell us of just do whatever you feel like. It doesn't make us happy. You know, we need you know and, and when we're kids and we're growing up and, and our parents tell us to do things and we don't want to do it, but nevertheless, it's that learning to do what is right rather than what we feel like in the moment that helps us you know lay the foundation for greater happiness further further down the road. Pope John Paul II, you know, another great apostle of of the family, and after the synod of the family and his exhortation familiaris consortio he writes the situation in which the family finds itself presents positive and negative aspects the first are a sign of the salvation of christ operating in the world the second a sign of the refusal that man gives to the love of god Alright, so we have this on the one hand everything that's good in our families and thankfully there's so many good families it's one of the beautiful things about being here seeing all of you seeing so many strong young families looking at the school and and beyond the school and to see these strong families you know that's a sign of hope but at the same time we're all aware of attacks against the family and families that are barely holding on families that have been broken and destroyed where the world has gotten in there and and taken it apart and so I think that we you know on this feast of the Holy Family we, we see the necessity of strengthening the institution of marriage. You know, going back, you know, once again to my own seminary days, I was always fascinated by this mystery of marriage. When you're studying theology and you get into marriage, well, things get a little bit complicated. I remember speaking to, uh, to a priest and, you know, telling him, you know, well, yeah, you know, marriage is kind of complicated. And he said, and he told me, well, Getting married isn't so complicated. When people want to get unmarried, things get a little harder, right? But, But I think that's something that we see in our world. One of the damaging aspects in our society is that so many people want to normalize infidelity. They want to normalize just, you know, kind of doing whatever you feel like. And it's something that's damaging that hurts our families. And if we're going to have strong families, if we're going to have a strong institution of marriage, we have to learn and teach to be men and women of virtue. The institution of marriage is not an undue interference by society or authority, nor the extrinsic imposition of a form. Rather, it is an interior requirement of the covenant of conjugal love, which is publicly affirmed as unique and exclusive, in order to live in complete fidelity to the plan of God as Creator." So that's kind of the answer of Pope John Paul II when some people try to say that marriage is simply you know, something that that has been made up or a social convention. It's really, you know, it's a lacking explanation of the way that things are. And then finally, we see that Catholic men and women who want to live their faith to the full, well, we, we need this institution. Pope Francis, you know, he wrote. that that these Catholic men and women should be helped to perceive the attraction of a complete union that elevates and perfects the social dimension of existence, gives sexuality its deepest meaning, and benefits children by offering them the best context for their growth and development. The best thing that a child can have is these two parents who love and take care of him and love and take care of each other. And even if that's not always the case, that is the ideal. And that's something that we should be fostering and promoting in our in the way that we, you know, that we form our own children and the way that we go about in our own social relations. And we need virtue to prepare good marriages. And Pope Francis says that among these, you know, among the different virtues, chastity proves invaluable. For the genuine growth of love between persons. So today as we're celebrating the feast of the Holy Family and we see this example of Mary and Joseph, you know, I think that we can really look at them and learn so much from them. To see Joseph who, you know, receives this mission of taking care of Mary, of taking care of Jesus, of being in a very special, unique marriage, and and somebody who never shirks his responsibility. You know, it seems that right when he when he got the the news of Mary about to have a child, it seems like it could have scared him off, but I think that it was probably just more you know, a little bit of, of awe, definitely some su- surprise, <laughs> and thinking, you know, maybe I shouldn't be involved in this. But as soon as he received that mission, well, he, he threw himself into that wholeheartedly. And then we see Mary, Mary who received the message from the angel, who received this tremendous mission of being the mother of God, but who, upon marrying Joseph, also was committed completely to him and who spent the, the rest of her life taking care of these two men and, and you know, serving as a, a mother and as a model for the savior of the world, but serving also as a good wife to Joseph, who's the patron uh, saint of all good husbands and fathers. Now, we're never going to be able to compete with the Holy Family, right? Here we have these three, well, you know, the great saint and then these two perfect, you know, Mary and, jo- Mary and Jesus. But nevertheless, we see that God has a plan for marriage that he reveals to a certain extent through the Holy Family. So on this Feast of the Holy Family, let's pray very especially for the families that, that we are close to, that they can become an image and a model as well of what it means to love and to live in this world.